You know what happened this week, though? I got to tell you about this. Uh, Will and Brittany were um, out this past Wednesday, so Lisa and I covered youth. And if y'all don't know this, youth play kickball every Wednesday. So the band sang this song, I'm the God that healeth thee. Man, that was just for me this morning. I was playing that Wednesday night because Wednesday at youth, we're playing kickball. And my son, who is the eternal junk talker, this kid never stops talking junk when it comes to sports. He, he's kicking it. We're on the opposite team. He kicks it up like a pop fly. I'm going to catch it out here in the churchyard. I'm not paying attention. I mean, I'm laser focused on this kickball. I'm not going to let this kickball hit the ground. And I ran full speed into the lamppost out here in the yard. I'm talking like full speed and the lamppost didn't budge even an inch. I checked. It didn't move at all. It didn't give it all. I thought that I hit my head and my shoulder and my knee, but I think it was just my knee. My head never hurt. I was wondering, is it bad if you hit your head, but your head doesn't hurt? I Googled it, uh, but I don't think I hit my head. There's no mark and there's no mark on my shoulder, but my knee hurt so bad. I'm telling you, my, it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. I couldn't get up. I was laying on the ground, and of course, Lisa, our awesome first lady, pastor's wife, who I love so much, took that opportunity, standing on the porch of the modular, to take a picture of me laying on the ground, at this point for five minutes, not moving. She sent the picture to Will and Brittany, and it said something like, OMG, hilarious, BJ just ran full speed into the pole. He's not moving, LOL. She has... She has a lot of confidence. <laughs> in fact, I think, I think even Cohen ran back into the module and said, hey, Pastor Lisa, uh, Pastor BJ's laying on the ground. He hasn't moved in a while. He's, he looks pretty hurt. Um, <laughs> Judah helped me up. And I, I thought this is going to be embarrassing if my son helps me up and I just fall over. But I was able to, uh, to get up, stand up, and I walked inside and said, hey, guys, maybe we should uh, call this kickball game. So we, we finished kickball. Uh, we played some music and led worship and taught. And um, as I was teaching, Lisa said, are you okay? Your face looks pretty green. I said, I'm, I'm really hurting bad here. It does not feel good. But I got home Wednesday night and I, I walked around the front yard for a bit. I'm declaring healing, 1 Peter 2.24. And then I sat down at the piano, used my knee to hit the sustain pedal. And for about 30 minutes, I just sat there and sang, you are the God that healeth me. You are the Lord, my healer. Except for I said this, you sent your word and healed my knee. You are the Lord, my healer. And I just sang that. I just sat there and worshiped for like a good 30, 40 minutes before bed. And uh, laid in bed, went to sleep, woke up, and it was a lot better. It was a lot better. I haven't been able to run yet. I run every morning. I haven't ran yet, but I've turned my runs into walks. And uh, it's a lot better. I was jumping around a little bit in worship. So man, by tomorrow, I'm expecting a full recovery. And we'll always have this great picture and this text that uh, OMG hilarious, BJ just ran full speed into the lamppost. He hasn't moved in a while, LOL. Something like that. She loves me, though. She really does. And we've laughed about that for a good three or four days now. Laughter is the best medicine, she says. She's right. Uh, that's what the Bible says. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is a good medicine. We could just stop right there now. Listen, if you're sick and you're not getting better, uh, the Bible says have a cheerful heart. That's a good medicine. So try that, uh, and, and maybe, maybe you'll see some recovery. But um, anyway, that was a little side note. I, I, I had to share that. 
um, before I started this message. So there you go. Thank you, Jesus. My knee's better. Everybody else out here, he's my healer and y'all's as well. Okay, and he's a really good friend. This is week three of our series called Friendship with God. Really, though, it's about prayer uh, because Jesus talked a lot about prayer. And when he spoke about it, specifically in the book of John, he spoke about prayer within the context of friendship. I know you've already heard that particular text probably two weeks in a row. So I'm just going to read this one time. And then I'm going to jump in to something new and a new thought that maybe uh, you've never um, connected with prayer and friendship today. And that thought is going to be all about dreaming with God. So let me read from John 15, verse 16. Uh, one more time here in this series. You have not chosen me. This is the words of Jesus, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring fruit forth and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. That's a scripture a lot of people take out of context. I'm going to ask for a Tesla in Jesus' name, and tomorrow there'll be a Tesla in my driveway. That got an amen uh, from Will. He, but there probably won't be a Tesla magically in his driveway tomorrow unless he knows something I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it will. We could have faith for that. That's not exactly what that means, though. If you read the scripture, the text, within context, something a lot of people miss when they interpret scripture is context. What we have all around that verse is about friendship. Let's back up one and read this. You are my friends. This is the same thought. This is what Jesus said in the same paragraph before he talked about asking in his name. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends now since I have told you everything the Father told me. So here we have a, a, a look into what Jesus considered friendship. People who talk to each other. People who don't just command each other, but there's a level of friendship. If you do have a type of command for somebody, that command comes uh, with knowing how I'm processing this thought. I'm not just telling you to go fetch a pill of water. I'm telling you that I can tell you're dehydrated. Why don't you go get some water? It's, there's the whole thought process to this that I'm not just bossing you around to boss you. Let me let you in on my thoughts. I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So <clears throat> I like to call this, uh, it's like the blank check. There was a movie when I was a kid and uh, this, this bad guy writes a kid a check for like a million dollars. He says something like, if you go away, I'll give you a million dollars. And he writes the kid a check, but he uses disappearing ink. So the kid goes to cash the check and the ink disappears, but he's a smart kid. So then he go and gets a pen and writes the check for a million dollars. And then he cashes it. He was smart, right? He was handed a blank check. This is kind of Jesus saying, not in a mean way, this is not disappearing ink, right? His word never goes away. But in not disappearing ink, in eternal ink, Jesus says, here's your blank check. Let's become friends. And man, when we're friends, you're going to ask my father anything in my name, and you're going to see it happen. So what does that mean? Because I'm willing to bet we have all in this room prayed, asked Jesus for something, asked the Father for something, and either we 
haven't seen it yet. We're still believing for it. Uh, maybe we feel like we've gotten a flat out no before from God, but what does that mean then? If we have a relationship with him and we are friends, we've asked him for things we haven't seen, does that mean this word is not true? Well, that's the first thing we can throw out because if we want to think about what is at error, what is at fault, is it the word, is it God, or is it me? I'm humble enough to say it's me every time. It's never the word, it's never God. If something or someone is in error, it's me. So let's dive into this, find out what it means to become friends, find out what it means to ask anything of the Father in Jesus' name and see it happen. And one of the things, and what I wanna focus on today is this blank check is not so much an invitation to write this check out for any amount you want. It's really a type of blank check. It's more of like an invitation into dreaming and being creative with God. That's part of relationship. Listen, my close friends, Lisa, myself, our close friends, they don't just know us as Pastor BJ, Pastor Lisa, Ava and Judah's dad. Uh, this is how BJ preached. No, they know our dreams. They know the things we're believing for. They know what we have on our radar. They even know what we're dreaming about for our kids. Our closest friends can probably sit down and say, man, this is really what BJ and Lisa are believing for Ava for college here in a couple years. This is what BJ and Lisa are believing for Judah. And I can do the same with my close friends. We dream together. We think of creative solutions and come up with creative solutions to problems together. Jesus is giving us an invitation into creativity. And we see this invitation from God, right? Jesus is God. He was God in the flesh here on earth. We see this invitation from the very beginning. God creates the heavens and the earth and all the animals, and then he creates Adam. And what is one of the first interactions we see between God and Adam? He says, Adam, name these animals, right? Why didn't God just name them? Like he let Adam name a giraffe giraffe, right? He let him name the platypus a platypus. Like he let him name the dog a dog. Can you imagine that one? He's like, okay, here's the one you're going to love the most. He's going to be, this is going to be known as man's best friend. This guy is going to bring so much joy to millions of people. People are going to treat this particular animal like he's one of the family. What do you want to call this one? Think of a good one. And he's like, dog. <laughs> dog is good for this one. And I mean, Maybe God was like, well, are you sure about this, Adam? And he's like, dog, that's a dog. And, and it stuck, right? Maybe that's not how that happened, but this is what happened. God said, Adam, I want to give you an invitation. I created all of this. Now you get to name it. Be creative. Think of anything you want. Let's, let's be creative together. I know that's just a, a, seemingly kind of a small part of the creation story, but that is the same invitation that people get over and over from God. Let's do something together, not on your own. I have no interest in doing this on my own. God had no interest in creating a creation that wasn't created in his own image with, with unique thought, with personal creativity, with personal dreams. With, he, he didn't want puppets. In fact, he made us in his image because he wanted a companion. Revelation says that humans were created for his pleasure. So whatever pleasure God got from an earth that grew 
plants and trees and an earth that, that had streams and rivers flowing through it and, and tall mountains and deep valleys and whatever pleasure God got from dogs and giraffes and animals existing, there was another level that he desired. And he created man in his own image. And he says, let's create and do something together. And man, he's still giving us that same invitation. And there's so many believers that just want to keep him separate. There's some attitudes and some thought patterns I hope to tear down over the next couple weeks. And, and one of them is this idea of more of you, God, and less of me. I feel like sometimes when we pray that, God is saying, actually, I just want all of you. Just invite me into everything you have. Because one of the things that happens in a relationship, you, you, might, you might start a relationship with somebody because you have uh, different things that you, you like. Uh, you might like the same stuff. You might just become friends because you're in the same place. My best friends growing up, we became friends simply because there wasn't anybody else to be friends with. Uh, there was a time here at FCG where uh, there was two couples that had children, Tony and Jerry Corgan and Diane and Barry Sullivan, and all four of their kids were homeschooled and had no other friends, but their kids didn't like each other. BJ and Tia and Nick and Bethany fought a lot, but we were the only ones here, and we were at church every night and every day because we were homeschooled, and this is what we did. But I'll tell you, within four or five months, of forced hanging out. We became lifelong friends, the four of us. We love each other, and we have been a part of each other's lives for 30-plus years. So there's all kinds of different reasons you become friends with somebody, but what happens once you do become friends is you start rubbing off on each other. It says in the Bible that iron sharpens iron. You start to impact one another. I might pick up some of the, your phrases that you say. You might pick up some phrases that I say. We might start talking about a TV show or a movie that, that we might both agree we, this was a, a garbage movie, or we might both like it. We start to like the same things. We start to act similar. Why wouldn't the same happen with God? Why wouldn't the same happen as we invite him into our lives? He's given us an open invitation to every part of himself. He's withholding nothing from us, right? The Trinity, the God of the universe, we know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. There is not just a part of God on the inside of you. You get the whole Holy Spirit. You get the whole package, the total package. He has invited us into every part of himself, but there's so many of us that keep him at a distance in parts of our life. And he is saying, no, invite me into it. Well, we might think, well, God, you won't like this part. Don't tell him anything. Remember what happened when Job tried to tell God something? Job tried to tell God something. Well, this is what you do. And God says, are you sure about that? Y'all seen that, that one? Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? That's another social media thing, I guess. But that's kind of what God said to Job. He said, you sure you know me? Because I don't remember, this is in the Bible. Some of you might need to hear this. This is what God says to Job. He said, I don't remember you being there when I spoke the light into existence. I don't remember you standing beside me when I carved the canyons out with my finger and when I sculpted the mountains with what came out. I don't remember you being there when the thunder and the lightning appeared in the sky. 
I don't remember you being there, Job. And you know what Job says? My favorite thing. He says, you're right. I'm sorry. Everything I said was wrong. Please forgive me. I was wrong about everything. And God says, yes. Yes, you were. But then because he's God, he blesses the socks off of Job. That's awesome. Some of us might need that wake-up call. Well, Lord, you won't like this part of me. Are you sure about that? Because I don't remember you being there the same way you are now when I knew you would exist before you were even conceived in your mother's wombs. You weren't there when I began to map out the hope and the future that I've given you before you were even a thought in your mother or your father's mind. I don't remember you being present when I gave you an expected end. Jeremiah 29, 11. Invite him in to every part of your life, the creativity, the dreams you have, and watch how your friendship with him begins to form even the very thoughts you have. Even our very thoughts and desires will begin to form and take shape around his heart. And then when we begin to dream out loud with him and say, hey, I got this on my heart. This is something I've been thinking about for a long time. More times than not, what you're going to hear in response is yes, Let's do it. Well, Lord, was it part of your plan? It is now. Let's do it. Lord, is this what you want for me? Yes. If you want it, let's do it. Are there exceptions to that rule? Oh, there's exceptions if it goes against the word of God. There's this great moment in the New Testament when a couple of the disciples have had enough of these guys taunting Jesus and the disciples and persecuting them, and they have a really good idea, right? They're talking to their friend, and this is very important because some of us really fear getting rebuked by Jesus or getting told no or or like he's going to reject us, but this is a moment when friends of Jesus got told that's not going to happen. Uh, It's the disciples, and they're remembering a story in the Old Testament when these prophets of Baal came, and they're taunting Elijah, and he's just had enough. So before they even get a full sentence out of their mouth, this Old Testament prophet calls fire down from heaven. It consumes the evil prophets of Baal, and their charred remains were all that was left. This happens multiple times. The king keeps sending prophets. Elijah keeps calling fire down from heaven and consuming them. And the last guy was trembling. He was so afraid. He begged him not to. He said, just just hear me out. And he did. Uh, Well, the disciples bring this up. And they say, hey, Jesus, I got a great idea. Do you remember when Elijah called fire down from heaven and it consumed these prophets of Baal? Let's do that right now to stop these guys from persecuting us. Jesus rebuked them. Even though the prophet of God in the Old Testament called the fire down, Jesus says, no, 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 you don't know what spirit you're operating out of right now. Jesus didn't come to call fire down and consume these prophets of Baal or anybody else. He came, he came to show everybody there's a better way. There's a higher way and to give people that choice for themselves. He rebuked them. He said, no, this is not of my spirit. But you know what? They moved on. The next story about those certain disciples is good stuff from that point out. So maybe within our friendship, there's a time we say, 
hey, what about this? And if it goes against his word, you're going to get a no. He does reserve the right to say no to you. But as you dream with him, as you say yes to his invitation into creativity, man, your desires, your thoughts, your heart is going to begin to just operate more and more like his from the starting point. It's beautiful. We see it over and over again. The more time you spend with him, the more you become like him. Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's another scripture that some people take out of context and say, ooh, well, God's going to give me what I desire. No, the subject is the, quote, desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and the things you desire in your heart will even be placed there by him. The desires will begin to match and wrap up, wrap around his desires, and even what your heart desires will begin to look more and more like Jesus. So as we say yes to the invitation to create, to be creative with him, to dream with him, uh, lots of things happen. I wrote down just in my brainstorm session and when I was um, preparing for today's message, I wrote down five things. There's more things. There's at least five I wrote down that will begin to happen in your life as you dream with him, as you spend more time saying yes to this invitation. And the number one thing here is, I've already been talking about it, we become more like him. We become more like him, just like you become more like the friends you hang out with. Just like you rub off on each other in the natural, you will become more like God as you spend time with him. And that is within your actions, within your thoughts, within the very desires of your heart, within the things you even dream about, you will become more and more like him. And I think something else we can throw into that is is what we talk about a lot. Here, Matthew 6, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. This is a part of seeking the kingdom first. Instead of me trying to figure out creative solutions in the natural and sitting down and trying to, like, beautiful mind some issue that I'm looking at in the natural, I go to the Lord and I say, Hey, what's your solution to this? How are you and I going to fix this? That might be better language for some of us. Instead of saying, Here's another problem I got to fix, hey, Here's another issue. That's better than the word problem. I don't know. Maybe it's just semantics issue. Uh, But whatever, here's an issue in front of me. How are you and I going to nip this one in the bud, Lord? How are you and I going to attack this? How are you and I going to go on the offensive? Forget the defense. Honestly, I see so many Christians so focused on what the enemy is doing and the enemy's plans for the end time. And it's like, nothing wrong with being informed. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being aware of what the enemy is doing. But when it's the main focus, it's like we're just a bunch of people playing defense. And you just can't win a game playing only defense. You've got to score. You've got to put the ball in the basket. You've got to put the ball in the end zone much like the Panthers did not do even once yesterday. How do you not score even a field goal in a preseason game? That was a side rant. Sorry about that. But here's my point. If you're not playing offense, you're not going to win. You might stop nine out of ten baskets. You might block nine out of ten shots playing basketball. But if the final score is two to nothing you're going to lose. I mean, that'd be great numbers. That's Hall of Fame numbers. If you block nine out of 10 shots, 
you will be in the Hall of Fame. But if you don't score at least one basket, at least two baskets, you're just not going to win. And when we spend so much time focused on what the enemy is doing, it's constant defense. How am I going to stop this? How am I going to defend this area? It's going to be better for us to be more focused on what the Lord has done, on what he's doing, and on what he's saying. Because in his word, especially as New Testament believers, he's handed us the ball. He's saying, go, score baskets, take this ball down the court, and shoot Put the ball in the hoop. Maybe you'll miss a few times, but go on the offense. You're the one with the power. You're the one I've given the authority to. You're the one who has the creative solutions. You're the one who has the creator of the universe dwelling on the inside of you. Now go be creative. Go draw up some good offense and take it. And as you seek the kingdom, as you go on the offense instead of the defense, all these things will be added to you. Well, Lord, if I'm, if I'm just taking the ball and running with it all the time, what's going to happen? How am I going to find provision? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to put meals on the table? Man, well, I heard Andrew say this, Andrew Womack say it for the millionth time yesterday, and it blesses me every time. He says, well... When God tells you to go, when God tells you to do something, he tells you to go to there, that is where you find your provision. He has sent your provision there. It's not here where you're standing. If he says go there, he's telling you to go for at least one reason. And as you go, you will also find provision. Because when he says go there, instead of sending provision to where you're at, he says, that's where I've sent it. Go there. So as you say yes, and you get to where he's saying to go, you find provision. You see it in the life of Elijah, who I already brought up. He tells him, go to the brook. I've commanded ravens to feed you there. Ravens can fly, but they didn't bring him the food. He had to go to there and find the provision. And then when that dried up, God said, now go to this village. There's a widow there who will take care of you. And he had to go to there and find the provision again. As we say yes to the Lord, as we grab the ball and go on offense, we will find provision along the way. We will find provision as we say yes. We don't have to worry about that. But we will begin to think, look, and operate more and more like God, more and more like Jesus as we invite him into our lives and dream with him, become creative with him, ask him to be a part of solutions instead of how am I going to fix this? If you want to know that story about James and John, it's found in Luke chapter 9. Uh, that's when they asked Jesus if we can burn these prophets up. And he said, nope. No, that's not what we're going to do, boys. And if you wonder why that happened in the Old Testament, honestly, Elijah didn't involve God at all in that decision. It doesn't say Elijah prayed and said, God, can I burn these guys up with fire? He just did it. So don't blame God for that either if you're the kind of person that wants to know why God was different then than he is now. He wasn't. Some people did some stuff in the Old Testament they were never told to do. And that's one way you can look at that, one way you can interpret that as well. So I, I can tell you from experience, Lisa and I have seen um, this particular word, dreaming with the Lord in operation in our lives several times. And man, I wrote down some examples, and, but I, I wanted to kind of get down to some of the basic ones. Um, this is very basic, but I want to I tell you about it. So years ago, we were serving here at church 
and um, a bit of a different crowd now than there was then. At the time, there really wasn't anybody here that was our age or that we spent any time with outside of church. And we weren't like, you know, we, we weren't weird or bitter about it. But one day we were just kind of hanging out with our parents because that was who we hung out with. And we drove home and Lisa said, have you noticed that we kind of only hang out with our parents? Is that weird? And I was like, no, our parents are awesome. They're the best. And she's like, no, I think it's weird. I think we should have friends. I think we should have friends that don't have the same last name as us and that don't buy our meal every time we go out. I think that we should have friends that aren't our parents. And so we got home that night. And so let me tell you, we didn't hear God say, it is time to pray for friends. We didn't hear a voice from heaven say, you need friends. We just had a desire in our heart for friends that were a part of our church that we could hang out with. And that night we prayed and we said, Lord, we would like some friends. And you know what we heard him say? All right. And I'm telling you, within a few months, we had people here at our church who were close, they became close friends that we, a year or two later, were looking around and we're like, man, do you remember when we prayed for friends and all of a sudden we got friends? It's a genius thing. It's, it's, it's like, whoa, light bulb. Wait, I should have prayed for that, right? There's so many things that we hold on to and we think, well, that's not a big deal. I got other stuff to pray about. God is not, he doesn't have a, a time card. He does not say to you, all right, you've already prayed for three things today and they were big ones. So you better not pray about this little one. That's just ridiculous, right? I'm already trying, you already asked me for provision for your life, right? You've already asked me to help you get a better job. That's basically making the power dim here in heaven, just me taking care of that one, right? I'm using everything I got on that one. How dare you ask me for this other request here? You're just not going to have a moment with God where he tells you that. You're just not going to experience that. Yet, there are things we hold on to and keep on the inside. Sometimes it's even this thought, well, God knows my needs. That's right, he does. But he wants conversation with you. He wants relationship. Yes, he knows your needs, but he desires you. He doesn't want to just provide. Otherwise, he would just say, I'm your provider and that's it. No, he said, I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your righteousness. I am your father. Jesus said, I am your brother. The Holy Spirit says, I am your comfort. Jesus also said, I am your friend. If he didn't want to be your friend, he wouldn't have said, I am your friend. Have you ever had a moment in a relationship where you start to get bitter because you're not getting something you need in the relationship? I feel like if, uh, if I have a problem, nobody ever asks me, right? I'm always talking to my friends about their problems, but I'm just the one that always has to hold theirs on the inside. Nine times out of 10, that is because you haven't gone to your friends and said, hey, I'm having an issue. I have a problem. They're going to want to be a part of that solution with you. They're going to want to hear about it. Nine times out of 10, it's because you haven't gone to them. You know, my sister said this a few weeks ago, and I haven't stopped thinking about it. She said, uh, when she counsels people, one of the things that comes up a lot is people say, I don't like the way this person responds to me. And she says, well, their response is based on how you've treated them. So in other words, you tell people how to respond to you. If you think, I don't like how people talk to me, it's because of 
how you have trained them to talk to you. It's you who controls the ones around you by your responses, by how you react. Isn't that something to think about, right? That's something to think about. Nine times out of 10, though, we go to people, we have a conversation, and we find out our friends don't want to push us away. They don't only want to unload on us. They want to actually hear about us, too. In fact, here's a a good example. So we'll have to keep the story about my knee in, in the podcast, Kyle, because I'm going back to the, to the knee story now. Uh, we got, I woke up on um, Thursday morning and my knee was a lot better. And Lisa and I were sitting, just having coffee. And uh, I said like, well, I, I am, it means a lot to me though that you were so concerned about me on Wednesday. You know, I, it meant a lot that you ran out as fast as you could and checked on my knee and asked if I was all right or if I was even alive. And uh, she goes, wait, I didn't do that. And I said, oh, I know, right? I was being very sarcastic, which Lisa loves sarcasm. Every married person here knows how good sarcasm usually goes over, right? But we really were laughing about this. Even in that moment, I was being lighthearted. But what she said to me was, honestly, you never tell me about the problems you're having. You never tell me when you're uncomfortable. You were laying there, but I saw you trying to get up. She goes, it never crossed my mind that your knee wasn't all right. It never even crossed my mind that you weren't all right. I figured you were just fine because you're always fine. That's a good point. I got to be honest. In my flesh, I'm going to always act like I'm fine. It actually is something I have to do on purpose to show vulnerability. And I have to personally do that in relationships I have with people who are close. Otherwise, they just won't know that I'm having a problem. Now, how does this relate to God and friendship with him? Because doesn't he know everything? Yes, he does. He absolutely does. But just like the verse that his presence dwells in our praises, isn't he everywhere? Well, yes, he is. So what does that verse mean? Well, that verse means that we move from one place into his presence, not that he moves. It's a similar idea. It's not that he needs us to tell him what our issues are. It's not that he needs us to tell him what the problem is. But when we open up and move our mouth and say, God, this is the problem I'm having, what that does is that puts us in a position to hear that solution better than when we're just going about our day, running around 100 miles per hour, getting 37 notifications on on our phone every 10 minutes, distracting us. When we step into conversation and relationship with him, it puts us into position to then hear his thoughts, his solutions, his, his, his solutions. That's why we do it. He didn't tell Moses, I'm going to destroy this nation and start over with you because that was the only thing to do. Because obviously Moses stepped into that conversation and said, well, hang on, Lord. You said they were your people and you promised them that they'd enter a promised land You promised them that, not me. And God said, okay, you've changed my mind. Then I won't destroy them. I'll get them to the promised land. That was an invitation into friendship. Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, what if I find some righteous people? Then I won't. Another invitation into conversation. Remember what Jesus said. You're my friends because I tell you what I'm thinking. You're my friends because you know how I'm thinking. You know why I'm saying the things I'm saying. Say yes to that invitation and see how much your life changes and see how much you begin 
to shift your, without even trying, your thoughts and your desires and your focus around the things that God has for you. Man, it's good, good stuff. You know, 1 Kings 8.15 says that it was actually in David's heart to build God a temple. You know, you think about the temple that was built in the Old Testament. God never really said to David, build me a temple until after David said, I want to build you a temple. God said, all right, build me a temple and that's where I will dwell. That's kind of awesome. Like in that temple, the Old Testament said that God's spirit hovered over the mercy seat. That was something tangible, something on earth that had never existed before. And it came into existence because a human said, God, this is what I want to do. That's awesome. Think about that. What doesn't exist right now simply because you haven't said, God, this is what I want to do. This is what's in my heart. What is this city missing right now? Because you haven't said, God, I don't want to just do what I'm doing right now. I want to impact this city in this way. You're going to get a big yes. Man, if the desire of your heart is to impact people with the kingdom of God, God is not going to be up in heaven saying, no, we're not going to do that. What he might say is, hey, let's work on some stuff first. Let's mature in a few areas and let's get you to the point to when that happens, it won't completely destroy you. Let's get you to the point to when that much money is flowing through your hands, it won't completely ruin you and corrupt you. Let's get you to the point where having that much power in a relationship or in a company won't corrupt you. Let's get you to that point and again, that will also be a journey you're going on with your friend. So the first thing that happens when you dream with God, when you begin to be creative and to say yes to that relationship of friendship with him is you become more and more like him. And man, I got four more. That's just the first one. That's good. That means I'll just have some I'll have a good starting point for next week. I'm going to invite the band up, and I'm going to tell you the second one at least as the band comes up and as we close. I'm kind of going about this a bit backwards for some reason. It's not necessarily the way I have it in my notes. In my notes, I kind of have the thing that happens and then all the stuff, but I've been delivering this with the stuff and then what, what that stuff is. And uh, the second one is we begin to tell God the things that are in our heart. We begin to lead the conversation in a way. Instead of just saying, Lord, lead this conversation and tell me everything, as we dream and create with God, the second thing or, or one of the things that you're gonna see happen is instead of sitting around saying, Lord, lead me, show me. I'm not moving until you say go. I'm not moving until I hear your voice. I'm not moving until I hear a voice from the clouds taught from heaven. I'm not moving until I have a Gideon's fleece that's a sign. Jesus said, wicked and perverse generation, you've looked for a sign. Listen, here is the sign. The word says, dream with me. The word says, tell me what you want. The word says, tell me what you need. So as you begin to create and dream with God, one of the things you're gonna see happen is you're going to begin to lead some conversations. Instead of just, Lord, I need this, tell me. I need this answer, show me. You're gonna say, God, this is an idea I have. I wanna build you a temple. Hey, David, that's a great idea. Build it. Psalm, what do you want? 
Well, I want wisdom. All right, that's a great idea. Do you know what you're going to find within that wisdom? Just about everything else you could have just said. Silver and gold will last for a while. They'll be gone. But wisdom, that lasts forever. And within that wisdom, you'll actually, will discover the wealth. Within that wisdom, you will discover all these secrets of life you could have asked for. Man, so many times we take the back seat of friendship and make it very one-sided. You talk to me, right? We have relationships like that. I already mentioned it. There's some friends and the reason you haven't connected with them is because you haven't opened up and been vulnerable. If relationship with God is any way the same, there's a lot that we're lacking and missing because we're not going to him and saying, this is what I've been dreaming about. This is what I've been wanting. That is friendship. And you have an open invitation into that. And there's so many more good things are gonna happen. And like I said, we'll get into those next week. But if you take anything away from today, Here's the takeaway. We have the most creative God we could ever have. He created it all. He sculpted the mountains. He dug out the valleys. He spoke light into existence and then figured out where it was gonna come from a few days later when he created the stars. We have a God who put all of that creativity on the inside of us and said, I've made you in my image. And then, because he is not just only the extravagant, huge, unimaginable being that created it all, he said, I also want to be personal. I also want to know you, which means we can be friends. There's no reason why we can't be. I've told you how I think. Now, tell me what you want. In fact, you can ask my father anything in my name, and he's going to do it. So the question is, why haven't you asked anything? Why haven't you gone to him with the things that you've buried and not thought about in a few years? Why haven't you gone to him? Listen, I... I watched the NBA Hall of Fame induction ceremony yesterday and Tony Parker, the great, great guard for the San Antonio Spurs was talking. He might as well have been preaching. He said, I was a little guy from France. Nobody like me had ever played in the NBA, but I wanted to play in the NBA. In fact, I told people I was going to play in the NBA and they laughed. And now I'm getting inducted into the Hall of Fame because I tell my kids all the time, if people aren't laughing at your dreams, you're not dreaming big enough. Man, think about that. If people aren't laughing at your dreams, you're not dreaming big enough. And I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's talking at a very worldly ceremony and very worldly people, at least a few, said amen, heck yeah. We have the living God on the inside of us. The things that you're called to do you couldn't do without him. That's why sometimes our dreams overwhelm us. We think, how could I do this? That is one of the cases where God is saying, oh, you can't, not without me. However, 
You don't exist without me. I've given the Holy Spirit to you and he's with you everywhere. Highest height, lowest depth, east, west, he's never gonna leave you. You're not alone. Don't let that dream overwhelm you. You gotta know you have a co-laborer, you have a friend. But man, if people in the natural aren't laughing at your dreams, dream bigger. Dream bigger. Man, we were declaring the word over Will and Brittany three years ago that there'd be no miscarriages and nobody barren. And all of a sudden now, we got four, five, six, seven, counting the last group of pregnant ladies of people that are benefiting from that word. Because we went to our father, we went to our friend and said, listen, this is what we're all believing for. This is what they're believing for. You have been invited into conversation and creativity. If you have never dreamed with God, this is the time to start. Man, this is the time to do it. Dream with him. He's not going to laugh with you. Be creative. You have an invitation. Take it. Say yes. It's a really good party to go to. It's one that only friends are invited to. You're on the inside. You're one of the friends. You've been invited. Say yes. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. Let's respond to this word with a few moments of worship. Then I'll come up and close this.